Hey nomads, welcome to Digital Nomad Stories, the podcast. My name is Anne Klaassen and together with my co-host Kendra Hasse, we interview digital nomads. Why? Because we want to share stories of how they did it. We talk about remote work, online business, location independency, freelancing, travel, and of course, about the digital nomad lifestyle. Do you want to know more about us and access all previous episodes? Visit digitalnomadstories.co. All right, over to Kendra for today's interview. Welcome to Digital Nomad Stories, the podcast. My name is Kendra and I'm your host today. Today I'm joined by Halo. He's an entrepreneur, business owner, and he has different projects going on in Costa Rica and Colombia. Overall, I feel he has a really interesting story, so I'm happy to have you here, Halo, and maybe just start about introducing yourself and maybe you tell us a little bit about your interesting story. Welcome. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you for having me. So my name is Harlow. My backstory is, well, a lot of people ask me where I'm from because I speak Spanish fluently. And so, uh, and they're really confused. So I tell them, like, I basically just say, I was born in Germany. I was raised in El Salvador. I was educated in California. And then I, at the age of 25, I started a dot-com tech company. And I ran that for about 12 years. And then I sold the company, followed my dreams, built a retreat center in Costa Rica. And now uh, I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur. I, um, I started a skincare company eight years ago that I sourced blue clay from my property in Costa Rica. And uh, back when I started actually my tech company a few years after that, I started a travel agency, which has now become more of a travel services company. And I specialize in helping people travel to Latin America, uh, travel, invest. And in fact, uh, I've been helping a lot of digital nomads as well relocate here. So that's a little bit about, wow. about me. That's so interesting. And if we have like a lot of things to tackle. So where, where, where should you, we start? Maybe you tell us, yeah, like how everything, like your digital nomad story, when did it really start? With, your, with building the retreat center or with your tech company, with your travel agency? Yeah, you know, uh, it did actually start with a tech company. Uh, it's, yeah, it started, well, yeah, I guess when I would come down to, when I'd go down to Costa Rica for my like research trips, I would be working from there. So I'd take my laptop with me and you know, I'd be working remotely the concept of digital nomads back then wasn't really, you know, uh, popular. Um, we're talking about 1999, I guess between like nine, I started the company in 98 and uh, 1998. So, you know, I started traveling in the early 2000s to Costa Rica, both for my travel agency, but also looking for properties because I was basically looking to, you know, follow my dream and build a retreat center. So I started looking for places, uh, you know, where I wanted to actually buy the property. But yeah, so that started back then, actually, back in like probably the late 90s, early 2000s. And then when I started SF Station, this is a, the dot com. This is the San Francisco City Guide that uh, some partners and I started back in 1996. I would travel a lot to New York and to other places, and so I, I wouldn't say I was a really a digital nomad at that point, but I did go down to Argentina and Uruguay for about two months. The end of my so we sold our company in 19, I'm sorry, in 2005, but we had a three and a half year earnout, and so at the end of that earnout, I had a lot, a lot more flexibility. And so I was traveling a lot more and so I could work remotely. So what I was doing, I was working remotely from, you know, countries like Argentina, Uruguay, uh, Costa Rica, because like maybe going back there, I had bought my property by, back then or by then. And so that's really more when, like, I think I was more of a digital nomad because I was in one place for a longer period of time, uh, you know, using my computer, finding places that had good internet where I can get on, you know, basically these digital, these Zoom calls and be able to access, you know, the internet, you know, anywhere I was. So 
yeah, I'd say that's probably what yeah, happened. And I'm like curious, you know, if you say like 1999, like now digital numbers are like, I mean, it's so easy to find internet everywhere to work remotely. But by that time, how was it? Like, how is there like a difference from now? I mean, you're like one of these early birds in that area, I would say. Yeah, well, I'm I'm 52 years old, and so you know I've, I've been around the block a bit. And uh, but back then, yeah, there wasn't a lot of there weren't a lot of digital nomads. Uh, of course, tech was still in its infancy in terms of like the dot com boom. You know, we had that basically in like the mid 90s, and then sort of sort of in the early 2000s, it really exploded. But um, yeah, back then it wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't run into a lot of other people that were actually working remotely, and if they were, it was because they were either like you know international sales, you know people that were going on that had to be there to work but it wasn't like is now where you can work remotely for a company in the states or wherever you know country of origin you're from and uh and still check in and log in from you know wherever you are but you're working you know you're working for basically a company based in your country so yeah it's very different now yeah. than it was back then i can imagine and also it might be like harder to build all your businesses on a remote level yeah well Uh, back then, you didn't have, I mean, internet was a lot slower. I mean, still dial up in a lot of places, right? It's hard to really fathom that now with the digital nomads. I mean, the way it is now, I think one of the first things that digital nomads look for is a really fast connection. And so back then, you were lucky if you were able to stay online. You know, you get bumped off and you have to dial back in. And there weren't a lot of places that actually had Wi-Fi either. Wi-Fi wasn't something that was really common. You'd have to go into certain ca like internet cafes. And actually, you know, like you'd have to hard hard line into their into their network with your computer, where they might have a, their own little wi you know Wi Fi network, you know, within that cafe. But it wasn't like it is now, where like here in Medellin, you've got you know like commercial centers like Tesoro, where you can get Wi Fi just for free, uh, or you walk into you go to any airport now, and there's there's Wi Fi. So it wasn't like that back then. So I can see also that you have like so much experience and now I see like why you build also the travel agency for Digital Nomad. We talked a little bit before about it. Maybe let's elaborate on it because I feel it's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So what's exactly the travel agency about? It's called Tico Guide Travel and uh, Tico Guide Travel started off as mainly a uh, travel services company uh, for Costa Rica travel. So the word Tico is colloquial for Costa Rican. And so Tico Guide means like, you know, the guide to Costa Rica, you know, travel. But I expanded over after a few years, I started attending these travel shows, these travel conferences, and I started connecting with other, um, you know, other tour operators in other countries. And I was interested in expanding my kind of my 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 service, you know, um, to to uh, to service other, other countries or in terms of like uh, send clients to other countries. It started off mainly as like what are called FITs. These are. Uh, families and individual travelers or small groups. So we do small groups of friends or, or even corporate groups. And then the digital nomad services happened sort of really like maybe like the last few years where I was contacted by certain people, like specific you know clients or friends that wanted to like relocate part-time to places like Medellin or to Costa Rica or, you know, Argentina or somewhere, you know, some city that, you know, was popular for digital nomads. And so I started doing that. And then now I'm actually contracted by a company called Under 30 Experiences. They have a group coming in actually tomorrow here to Medellin, and I'm going to be hosting them. So I'm sort of like their local manager, concierge. I do a lot of logistics on the back end uh, with them as well, with the company. But I'm sort of the front end on the host in terms of like the digital nomads that are coming, sort of like the uh, Year Abroad program that, or uh, Year, what's it called? Year, it's a company that uh, Selena bought recently. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard about it. I met them, but I don't know the name right now. Yeah, I think it's called, it's like Year Abroad or something like that. But uh, it's very similar. It's a smaller company, but the same concept where um, they did a pilot in Costa Rica, did really well. So now they have a group coming here to Medellin. Their parent company is called DNT, so Digital Nomad Trips. So I've been, you know, I've been subcontracted out. My agency has been contracted out to be sort of like their, you know, in-country concierge and local manager. And so that's what I'm doing for this this company. I do it for individuals, but obviously it works better when I'm doing it for, you know, larger groups or a, a collective group of people. Great. And what would you say is like, because now like a lot of our listeners are digital nomads. So for them, it's like quite interesting. So what is it? Because I feel sometimes we go to a new place and it's so hard to find logistics, to understand the place. So what is exactly the service that you are offering with this travel agency? So you're all nice and then I have an yeah. higher trip for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Good question. I mean, yeah, it is logistics. It's uh, assimilation into the culture as well. Um, I think it's really important, you know, um, so the or orientation includes not just like points of interest and like, okay, here's a grocery store, here's a pharmacy, here's like your gym, but like, here's the cultural nuances or here's the, you know, the things that you should and shouldn't do when you're in this particular country, for example, in Colombia, uh, and we were here in Medellin, um, you know, you don't want to slam the car doors, you know, uh, you know, when you're getting in and out of car door, out of a car, like that's something that, uh, it seems really kind of odd to especially Americans that are really used to slamming car doors, especially the big heavy doors on the, you know, these big American cars, but Colombians have a very, very uh, interesting relationship with their vehicles. And uh, they consider them almost like a family member. And a lot of these cars are, are kind of like toy cars anyway. So they're really, you know, doors are really thin. And so things like that, those are a really small example, but there's other cultural things that I think, you know, are important that, that people should know about before they come or when they come so that they don't find themselves you know, in an awkward situation, uh, socially also safety is really important, especially, you know, in some of these countries that are foreign to, to a lot of people, they may not speak the language or they might not understand certain things. They might be overly confident, you know, when they come here, but then, you know, you just got to be careful wherever you are. I mean, I, you know, I, I was in San Francisco for 20, over 20 years and I got to say there, I feel more, you know, not afraid, but I feel more concerned about myself in certain neighborhoods than I would here in Medellin. Although here, you know, there are certain things that people have to watch out for. And so those are some of the things that we talk about that go over, you know, sort of the safety protocols. You know, there's a saying here is, you know, no dar papaya. Uh, no dar papaya means don't give papaya, which means don't, don't leave, don't have your phone out while you're walking around or don't make it obvious that, you know, you're going to get robbed. Like don't, uh, don't give them a reason basically for you to like, you know, to get robbed. So the biggest crime here is petty theft and, you know, But it happens everywhere in the world. I mean, you go to Europe and you got the little gypsy kids and they run, you know, they'll come around you and they'll basically pit pocket you. So, but that's exactly why, you know, people like me are here to like help people to let them know like, hey, these are the, some of the tactics. These are some of the things that they do. Uh, I mean, there's other, you know, some of the dating apps now here in Medellin, there has been, you know, issues with like men getting robbed by women that needs to be addressed and talked about, especially for like the men, you know, digital men, men that come here. So those are the things that like, you know, a typical travel agency is not going to tell you, or they're just going to book your, you know, the, your ticket or the, your hotel or whatever it might be, your Airbnb, but they might not get into like the more, like the more specifics. And so aside from just that, I'm also kind of like their local friend. And then I connect them with other, other people that I know here. And I've been coming to Medellin and living here part-time for about 10 years. And uh, I'm a very, very big networker. So I know a lot of people from all different, like sort of 
social classes and from different, you know, types of industries. And so if somebody, if the digital nomad who needs like dental work, I'm like, I know I got somebody for you, you know, I got the right clinic or I could send you to like a couple of different clinics and get different quotes. If somebody needs dry cleaning or they need whatever, you know, something, something specific, I can, you know, I can recommend it. I mean, that's a, a really small one, but you know, things like medical, dental, they need their passport. If they get their passport stolen, how do they, how are they going to get that, you know, re- renewed or get a new one? So those, those are, those are things that I think, um, those services are, are invaluable in, in many ways than, than just sort of like someone who's just going to like book your trip and not really be there for you. Kind of like, you know, not necessarily hands-on all the time, but just they're accessible and, uh, and, and being a helpful, you know, sort of like person that's also a digital nomad and understands what needs they have. Yeah. Thanks for elaborating because I feel you talked about all the things that make like a headache to us digital nomads. Like all these cultural things. So for example, the taxi example. Yeah. For me, like they, they prefer to close the door, the taxi driver, than me closing the door, you know? Yeah. What will happen too is like, if you slam the door on a taxi cab driver, he'll get really upset. And if you're not familiar with the city, he's going to, he's going to take the longest route possible to run up the meter. And so that's happened before. It happened to me. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm speaking from experience and, and, uh, and then someone told me like, don't slam the car doors. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand why, you know? Uh, and it's also etiquette, you know, it's just being courteous. And that, that's one thing about Medellin and Colombia that I think people don't realize how courteous and how nice people are, you know, Colombians and especially the vices here are so nice. And, uh, you know, and you just want to, you want to just reflect that on them. You know, a lot of foreigners come here, not a lot. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but you know, there's that arrogancy, especially for Americans, you know, North Americans. And I speak for North Americans because I am a one. Um, although I wasn't born in, in the United States, I, I did spend some time there. But there is that typical classic North American arrogance. And if you bring that type of, you know, attitude here, it's not going to work for you really well. And that's one of the things we also, I also talk about. It's sort of like, again, the cultural simulation, how to really, you know, connect with, with, with the people here. And people are so friendly here that you don't want to be, you don't want to be a jerk. You know, you want to, you want to show your best side. Anyways, I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, I was just like recapping because I feel there was so much valuable information in. Like for our listeners, like really this cultural integration, what you said, that we need to take care of all the logistics. Like, yeah, I need to go to a dentist. So it's so helpful to always have this. So what, like maybe if we summarize, like um, what are the things we need to have in mind when we go like to a new country? You know, to really settle there, to know to feel well, to mm-hmm. feel welcome, to not have this feeling of anxiety, overwhelms, like lonely. So... Meet people who are like it's like like-minded people, create like your community, but also connect to the locals, understanding their culture, behaving in their way. Figure out all your logistics that some point can come, so you are like really like at ease. You're not spending like too much time, investment, effort on it, and also all these legal issues. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Like as now we talked about Colombia, you gave a little bit insights. But you're like between Colombia and Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Can you share like some with someone thinking about right. going to Costa Rica? Sure. Well, Costa Rica is very different from Colombia in the, in, the, in the sense that Costa Rica, most people go there for the for the beaches. They go there for like the, you know, the nature and the beaches. San Jose, which is the capital, isn't particularly a nice city. I mean, you know, my father was born there. I mean, my back history is also, you know, my grandfather built a business in Costa Rica. So that's kind of my connection to Costa Rica. But I don't want to talk about bad things about San Jose, but I got to say that like, it certainly isn't Medellin. 
And so most of the digital nomads that are going to Costa Rica are either going to like places like Nosara, Santa Teresa, uh, maybe Tamarindo. We call it Tamagringo because it's all kind of, it's all too gringo. Or they go down to like Dominical and, you know, maybe, maybe San Jose, but not, I wouldn't say like, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not a, a big attraction. Digital nomads who, who I, I see that go to Costa Rica want to surf. They want to like, you know, be on the beach. They want to do yoga. So it's more of that kind of vibe. Um, and Costa Rica has lends itself to that type of lifestyle. And so any digital nomads that are listening to this right now who are looking for that type of lifestyle are going to, you're going to find in Costa Rica. Now it's not cheap, you know, especially in Nosara, Santa Teresa, and some of these other destinations, you know, over the, over the years it's become quite expensive, but there are places like Salinas that are out there. Um, you know, they have a network of Salinas in Costa Rica. And so people work out of Salinas or they live out of Salinas or they, you know, get Airbnbs or long, longer term rentals, depending on how long you're going to be there for. But Costa, uh, Costa Rica is certainly, I think the shell of Costa Rica is it's the nature, right? And being in, immersed in nature. Another destination that I mentioned was Manuel Antonio, uh, Manuel Antonio Quepos, which is there's a national park there that uh, is very popular. So my experience with like digital nomads who are in Costa Rica are there um, because they have, uh, they have an affinity to do something that they, you know, they can't maybe do here or they can't do in a city, which would be like surfing, hiking maybe scuba diving, although scuba diving, they're the only really places to do it in Costa Rica, like off of Uvita and maybe up in the Guanacaste area. But, you know, more like water sports and and eco, eco activities. Amazing. And yeah, like, I mean, it's also you need to know about these countries before you decide it. For this is also important to know what we need. You know, I, I was just some days in Ecuador now by the beach mm -hmm. in Montanita, and I, I feel like, oh, maybe it's like time for me to leave Medellin. Because now it's the time to, to be living by a beach rather than in a city. So we are just, that's the beauty of the flexibility we can have in the freedom, right? And together with this, I feel there's always this right. thing about being a digital nomad that we need to be brave and courageous to really able to listen to our needs and not compare to fulfill expectations. And as you said, in some point you started following your heart to make all of this happen. And I want to elaborate a little bit on this because I love it. Like if we have mm -hmm. this wisdom, with, we have this wisdom within us. And when we are really able to listen, and especially for us at Digital Genomics, it's like a gift that we can follow our heart thanks to the freedom we have. So what was there a little bit your mm -hmm. story about? Because you told in the beginning, then you follow, you started following your heart. Yeah, well, that's um, so for for digital nomads who actually work for a company, mm -hmm. it's a little different because, you know, they're they're working unless they're doing something they really truly love to do for that company, then they're following their heart. However, you can still follow your heart by maybe like you know going to a country where you can live a lifestyle that you love, and so you're following your heart doing that. Where you know you can go surfing, or if you're in, let's say you're here in Medellin, you know you can go cycling. I'm a big cyclist. That's one of the reasons why I spend a lot of time here is I have a road bike here and I do a lot of cycling. Um, I also love to play squash. I grew up playing squash and there's squash courts. There's one in my building here. So following your heart can be in different ways. You know, in my case, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner. So I kind of, you know, I, I either fire myself or I hire myself. Right. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not checking in or, you know, uh, clocking in like most people have to, but if you're a digital nomad who has to do that, then following your heart, what it really means more like maybe following the lifestyle you want. And being around the, the people you want to be around, uh, maybe, you know, you know like uh, creating uh, the quality of life that you want to create around yourself. Uh, for those who have the ability to, 
you know, uh, work remotely for on their own or follow your heart in terms of like, you're a digital nomad in the sense that you're an entrepreneur. So you're building, you know, you're, you're running your own business remotely, or maybe not necessarily remotely. Maybe you start a business here in, you know, Medellin or wherever you are. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that like, I think more and more people are looking or trying to find purpose in their life. And I think the whole COVID thing, you know, where people were kind of like locked into their homes or they couldn't leave or they were started to have to work from home. I think it shook people up a lot. And then it gave the chance for people to like, think about like, okay, well, I don't necessarily have to go into the office or I, have to, I don't have to like commute in my car for an hour, two hours a day to get to work and back. And so I think that conversation with digital nomads in terms of like cutting down some of the things that you don't like to do in your life and actually welcoming in more things that you love to do in your life by following your heart or by like opening yourself up to like a better quality of life. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here. Medellin provides a much better quality of life for me than, than San Francisco does now, at least. I mean, I, you know, obviously I think if I was like, you know, a, a top executive at Google or Facebook or, you know, had my own company like that and made a lot of money, I could have a nice quality of life in San Francisco. But even then, like I lived in Noe Valley, which was one of the most affluent neighborhoods in San Francisco. My rent was pretty decent because I had rent control. I was, I'd been in there, for, I was in there for a long time. But, you know, one of my, you know, neighbors was Mark Zuckerberg. He lived a few blocks away. But still, like, even in Noe Valley, you had homeless, you had the problems with people like pooping in the streets, the needles, you know, your car, your car gets broken into. And so that kind of quality of life, I mean, you, you're living in like, you know, multi-million dollar houses and you're paying high rents. In that case, I wasn't paying that much, but people are paying high rents there. Those of you who are, you know, listening, who are, you know, maybe living in San Francisco will know this. I mean, you're paying probably like 30, 40% of your salary to rent or to your mortgage. And, uh, and you're crossing your fingers that every day you walk out and your car isn't broken into. And so th those are things that I think a lot of digital nomads, especially the younger, I would say like the millennials and, uh, you know, those who are more flexible, don't have, don't have kids, um, are looking at like, Hey, I, I can, I can work remotely. Like I did, I was doing maybe during COVID. And as long as my company is okay with that, you know, I'm going to go to Medellin or I'm going to go to Costa Rica or I'm going to go to wherever, you know, I think that a lot of digital nomads, if they have to be on a time schedule with their companies, they're looking at this side of the world, but there are a lot of digital nomads who work, you know, like in Asia in other parts of the world. And now it's a little more complicated with the time zones. If you've got to be on calls and stuff, then you got to clock in at a certain hour. But um, yeah, I think we're seeing more people just like they're maybe the idea of like living in San Francisco or some of these cities that are, that were once really beautiful. I think you know, maybe there is a chance that they'll be back. They'll go back to their, their beauty, but they, they're really run down. There's a lot of problems with drugs and crime and that, I think, for a lot of people, a lot of, you know, in this case, digital nomads are like, well, I'd rather pay less money in rent, live in a nicer city or a city like Medellin where I get better quality of life, more affordable. You know, obviously, like, you know, you've got to build up a new network of friends because maybe you're leaving, like, you're leaving your community and that's really difficult to do. A lot of, a lot of people have a really difficult time with that. That's one, probably one of the main reasons why people don't travel is they're, you know, leaving their family and friends. Um, especially if they're coming down here for like the longer periods of time, like six months or a year. I think if you're coming down here for a month, it's a different story. But if you're coming down here for like six months, a year, or you're planning on being here longer, then, you know, that's a big decision to make. You're moving out of your apartment, you're putting stuff in storage, you know, or you're subletting. Hopefully that's what I was doing for a long time. I would sublet my apartment in Oe Valley for more. And I worked it out with the landowner 
or the landlord. And, and uh, so I'd, I'd actually get, make money when I would subletted it. And I, I imagine that a lot of digital nomads can do that or have done that and are doing it now. So like places like New York, San Francisco, LA, where the rents are really high, um, you could rent out your apartment, maybe even slightly higher than what you're paying your mortgage for or your, or your, you know, your rent. And you can live down here for like literally like half the cost of what it costs you to live in the States. You know, at least half. I mean, many, many is a little more expensive, but um, you know, in some cases it can be even cheaper. I really so, like, like the thought you are talking about this quality of life we can choose. And I want to use like this, this moment because I feel mm -hmm. as human being, it's normal that we always <clears throat> want more and more and more. So also for us and also the listeners that we should acknowledge and be grateful for ourselves that we chose this life, that we can choose the quality of life we want. I think that's something beautiful we could give and we are sometimes mm -hmm. forgetting about it. And just as like, deciding, right. Right? like what do mm -hmm. I want in my surroundings? How do I want to create the day? Where do I want? Uh, where do I want to be and everything? And then just adapt to this. And exactly, I feel that's nice if we talk about that you mentioned this difference between like a digital nomad who has a fixed contract or a digital nomad who's a boss, mm -hmm. you know, like an entrepreneur, that they are still mm -hmm. right. between. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that quality of life, so much consumption happening in the United States and Europe and other places where people feel like the only way to be happy is to have things, right? And then you come to countries like Medellin where You see people and they don't have a lot, you know, I mean, I'm, we, we are, I'm in an affluent area. I, you know, I'm, I actually live in a nice area. I like it because it's safe and I love the views and, and it's accessible to a lot of the things I like, you know, but people are generally more happy, you know, with less things because it's like less clutter, less things they have to worry about. I, I feel like maybe a lot of digital nomads will see that when they, you know, when they start traveling and the quality of life or their happiness becomes, you know, and we can talk about happiness too, but quality of life is really, I think, tied to happiness because, you know, you become more happy when your quality of life gets better, you know, and, 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 and things become more accessible in terms of like, it's cheaper to go to the gym, you know, the, the food, you get better quality food, you can get organic food here for a fraction of the cost of what you get it for in, in, you know, let's say San Francisco. And so that helps people, you know, I think become better in terms of like more productive as well. I think you're more productive, you know, work-wise if your quality of life is better. And so, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's one of the main selling points, I think, or the main kind of buzzwords I hear a lot with people when they are like, I'm, you know, I'm looking to make a change in my life. I need a better quality of life. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like you'll find that in places like Costa Rica and, and, uh, and I and would Colombia. like to add to this quality of life to the features you said, also the people we surround ourselves with, because I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. maybe back mm -hmm. home you are like trapped in a circle of people who have maybe another mindset than you, who have like you know their other life. Right. And like as a genomic, you can just choose the groups with whom you want to connect. With like many people who are also traveling, or you're just like with the locals, like you can choose this group. Like I mean, here in Medellin, there are so many different communities, you know, for playing board games, for what you have, like mm -hmm. for the dinner. Uh, my woman circle, like you can choose between conscious people, business people. And yeah, like this also adds to our quality of life, the people we surround ourselves. And as you just said, and I can confirm it, you are like a super good networker. So maybe for you, it's a nice question because I also get a lot right. of times this question, but I feel alone. I don't know like how to meet new people when I'm like coming to a new place. What would you recommend as normal to start creating mm -hmm. your community 
Well, the good, the, the nice thing about Medellin, for example, and because it's a city, uh, it's really it's small enough that it's accessible. So within you know a five minute to maybe even a twenty minute drive, you can get you know across town and you can go to like some of these like digital nomad networking events. And there's a lot of them, you know, and there's different types of events, right? Or you can attend yoga classes, or you can, you know, um, you know, paddle paddle ball is really popular here now. So like, depending on, and then you have Ciclovia, Ciclovia on Sundays, and there's like different groups that do running groups or cycling groups. And so I think, you know, initially there's a a, um, a club here called Hash House, and it's a crypto like a, a crypto membership club, but they do. On Mondays, I think, and Wednesdays, there's like open houses where you can go for free and you can meet, you know, people there. So there's a lot of networking opportunities. There's also festivals and all types of different events that happen in the city. And uh, as long as, you know, you can kind of plug into those or find out about them, you know, you can attend some of those. But yeah, I would say for people who are feel like they're lonely and they don't have someone, you know, or they don't, they don't, they feel like they might not be able to build a, 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 a network of friends here. I would say that, that that's you know not the case. I think you just have to be a little bit more, get out, get yourself out there, go to a few events on your own. You know, maybe the first couple. But there's you know there's some co-working places like Selena's and the other some other ones here that actually do events all the time, and you'll meet people right away. You know, and uh, you know it might not be your best friend right away, but you might you know you might meet some people that you kind of get along with, and then you guys go out you know you go out for like coffee or we do, I do a Sunday brunch every Sunday. Me and my crew and our little group of friends we get together for brunch every Sunday and it's not the same people every time, but it's like kind of like an open door of like, you know, I think you've come before. And I also do a Thursday night dinner, usually up at Mercury Organico. And so that's like also like an open door kind of like, I just make it a th Thursday night social. And so there's people like me who are doing those types of types of things where we're encouraging and, and open our doors up to meet new friends and to connect, you know, other digital nomads to, you know, so they can meet and, uh, and network. And so I think tapping into that, sort of those little pockets of like events and, and networking events uh, is one, one great way of kind of like, you know, finding like-minded people. Again, like if you like to do yoga, great. Then go to yoga classes here at 108 or some of these studios like Flying Tree and, and Laureles. So that's one way because then you're going to meet people that are like-minded. If you like, you know, fitness and do some of the fitness activities that Medellin is really you know, famous for like Ciclovia and some of those things. But yeah, I would say that's probably... A good, a good place to start. Exactly. And how do people find about those groups? I would say you can find it like in, if you just put Medellin or in any other country where you want to be a digital nomad on Facebook. And from there you ask people and can invite mm -hmm. you to WhatsApp groups. That's like... Yeah, there's a bunch of WhatsApp groups. Right. There's actually, a, there's an Instagram, for, for Medellin, there's an Instagram page that has like, like a link tree of all the whatsapp groups that you can join and there's a now there's like a thousand of them i mean there's like there's literally, there's literally like so many you have one for everything and so there's one for like uh i think it's many uh, digital nomads awareness or something like that so like people who want to come here to do like plant medicines and things like that you can join that group there's one for yoga there's you know there's a, there's a whole bunch so yeah i i would say like the, the facebook groups so there are some facebook groups that you can join there's instagram i can't remember what it's called but there's an instagram page that has like a link to like all the WhatsApp groups. But then, yeah, once you get into the WhatsApp groups, then you're in because then you're just going to get bombarded. I mean, your phone is going to get full. I have <laughs> them on an archive. Full of like, you know, photos and videos of, there's so yeah. many events happening and here. It's crazy. I, I would say if some, if some listeners feel, oh, but I'm going like to Medellin soon, they just can reach out either to me or either to you. We will put all your information in the show notes. 
so that we can give the information. Mm -hmm. Before we close this, do you feel any anything else you would like to have shared in this podcast we haven't talked about? I would just say for those of you listening out there who haven't done this before, who haven't gone to a foreign country to to work remotely, I say do it, you know, like uh, find a way for you to like get things all settled at home where you can actually make that happen for yourself. Find the right place, maybe do a little research beforehand, you know. Uh, I think again, like, you know, quality of life, your interests, weather-wise too. Some people, you know, want to be in really warm weather. Some people want to be in kind of like what Medellin has, which is sort of like climate. We're, we're in a city of eternal spring. And so, yeah, I would say I would encourage you to take that step, to take that. And we're in the beginning of the year, so this is a good time to like talk about it and like be like, okay, you, you know, you probably set some goals for yourself on what do you want to do this year. And if you're not happy with where you are, maybe in your living situation, then, uh, you know, if you can't get out of your job, maybe at least you can like work remotely. If that's something that's, that's possible for you to do, then uh, talk to your boss or talk to who, or you need to talk to about, you know, working remotely. Or if you're already working remotely from home and you're just like, I need to go somewhere else and do this. And yeah, then you have options. You just, it's really about like, you know, putting your mind to it and not being afraid, obviously taking precautions and being prepared and working and talking to people like me who have done it and Kendra that, you know, we can help you along the way and then handhold you where we need to. But then I think at some point, you know, like most people that come here or come to Costa Rica or wherever they go, like they can assimilate pretty well. And, and, uh, you know, or you join a group, you join one of these like digital nomad trip groups, or, you, you know, that's another way of doing it. If you don't want to come alone, um, there are companies out there that do, you know, organize digital nomad trips. And that's one nice baby step. So one way of doing it. Right. And then, uh, or you do it on your own. So yeah, that's, that would be like my closing thoughts on that. And what is the, like your, like your secret? What do you do to prepare yourself mentally for new destinations or whenever you're coming back mm -hmm. to Colombia, whenever you're going to Costa Rica? Well, if I'm going, yeah, if I'm going to somewhere new, then I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on that destination. I'm trying to contact and, and reach out to people that are there, find out a little bit about, you know, what it's like living there. I've been going back and forth from Costa Rica to Medellin for 10 years now. So I don't really have to do any more mental preparing other than like, I got a nice little like a plant, you know, sort of like system down on how to do that. Clearly, you know, I mean, I still rent here in Medellin. I, I own a big property in Costa Rica. I got a retreat center there. So I have a proper home, but I've been spending a lot more time here. And, uh, and so, I, so for me, the only thing I really have to prepare for really is like where I'm going to live when I come back here. Now I've been, I've been living in this apartment now for the last two years, but not full time. Like I try to get it every time I come back. And so thankfully it's been available. So I really like the area I'm in and I like this apartment and the, and the rent is relatively, you know, is decent. But, uh, I would say that would be one of the main things is like, you know, for me at least is like when I come to Medellin, it's like, I know I have a storage unit where I put my stuff when I'm gone. because I don't, uh, I don't rent the place. I don't rent this place out full time because I'm not going to pay rent while I'm not here. And I'm not allowed to sublet it when I'm not. My only preparation is really like trying to figure out where I'm going to live when I come back. And so I do usually will plan that out maybe two or three months in advance if I can. A lot of places maybe won't, you know, let me book it that far in advance. But um, yeah, I would say that's the main thing. I think, you know, where you live is really important too. We didn't talk about that. Like, I mean, Medellin, you could be in Medellin, but you could be in like, you know, in a really bad neighborhood and you're not going to want to live in Medellin. You're going to, you know you're going to have a, a very different experience than what you would living maybe in Laureles or Poblado or in Vigado or even Sabaneta, which are kind of like the, you know, maybe, maybe Belen, which is up and coming, 
but you know, Bayo and uh, over in those areas, like, no, you know, I would, I would, I mean, some people do, you know, and, but it's typically not your typical digital nomad, you know, it might be like a, an army bed or something. <laughs> it's got a little more, you know, a little tougher. <laughs> yeah. I would say like for me, like adding yeah. to this, my thing is like also then also having this flexibility to change plans. Because we can, like, for me, it's like I'm more mm -hmm. this, than going with the flow, what's happening. Because I can prepare so well, but then I don't know what's happening when I really arrive and how I feel. Well, that is also something right. I realize when I'm right. not, like, too much stressed about it needs to work out like this. I need to be in this community by just allowing myself to get surprised by this new place. It's also sometimes a nice way to, mm -hmm. to deep dive in and to take time in the beginning for new conversations and not being like so stressed during the entire day. Yeah, I think I think it's important to have a soft landing here or, you know, wherever you go, like a soft landing and a comfortable landing and a secure landing in terms of like, you know, when you when you arrive here, have someone who, who you can trust that, you know, can greet you, kind of show you around. Um, you know, again, that's what I do. That's what I do for a living. But, you know, there's a, you can, you can find, you know, maybe friends that have already done it or already here. You know, I think a lot of digital nomads follow their other digital, digital nomad friends. And so that's one way that you can, you know, you can have a soft landing here is like, if you know, already know people that live in Medellin, um, and are already doing this, then, uh, you know, just follow, you know, basically following their footsteps and, uh, and then they can kind of help you out. But there are, you know, professional services, services like mine. And they're certainly valuable in terms of like, it, there's a lot of value in, in, in helping people that, you know, get here and, you know, kind of get set up and, uh, and uh, anyway, so yeah, so it's a, probably my, my biggest recommendation would be like, if you want to, you know, if you're ready to do it, then, then just get yourself, you know, prepared to do it and, uh, and find the means to do it. Great. Thank you so much for all the tips, recommendation, inspiration. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. I think now we are all well prepared for our next destination and overall for meeting you. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Thank right. you, Hello. You're welcome. You. Have a good weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. I would appreciate it even more if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts for me. That way, more people can find this podcast, more people can hear the inspiring stories that we're sharing, and the more people we can impact for the better. So thank you so much if you are going to leave a review. I really appreciate you, and I will see you in the next episode.